voice actually a bit croaky after. (laughs) 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 Hey guys, welcome back to the Grad Life Podcast. Uh, It's me, Danny. I'm delighted to be joined today by a good friend of mine, Tom Lynch. Tom is a pricing analyst at Avalon uh, Aircraft Leasing Firm based here in Dublin and has recently spent the last number of months working out in Hong Kong. So Tom, thanks a million for taking the time to come on. Really appreciate it, mate. Um, I suppose the best place to, to start it off really is where you started with the whole aircraft leasing stuff. So undertaking a master's in uh, aircraft leasing in Smurfit Business School, came out of commerce, good degree. What drove you to go working in the aircraft leasing? Yeah, so I studied, um, my undergrad was commerce in ECD and um, I kind of specialise in the finance accounting side of things. And just, they always would have used aircraft leasing examples. One of my lecturers, he was actually currently, or at that time, on the board of Avalon as well. So he obviously had a good interest. He would have used various examples and whatnot. Um, so that kind of started the interest, I guess. And then when I was in final year, um, kind of didn't know, or wasn't sure what to do. Um, so I was kind of looking around at a few different options. I spotted the masters. Um, and kind of the more kind of research I did into it, the more kind of interest I, I garnered. Um, and I also knew a guy who had done it the year above me um, and he just absolutely loved it. He couldn't speak highly enough of it. Um, and also it was kind of a, a small course just starting off. So it was kind of great the way it wasn't as kind of set in stone as maybe, I don't know, the accounting route or the traditional finance route um, where you could kind of just go in and kind of create your own path. So um, then, yeah, I did the master's. Um, I loved it. It was I found commerce kind of very big and very, there was just so many, there's about 350 people in the year. Uh, you kind of get lost in it. It wasn't that kind of practical, whereas the, the master's was the complete opposite. It was uh, very small. There was only about 23 people in my year. Um, it was very kind of practical. There was a lot of guest lectures and stuff, which was uh, which was great, very interesting. Um, and then I was lucky enough to kind of get the in- internship in Avalon. Um, and then I've been there for about... Um, two and a half years since and yeah as you said I've kind of recently moved over to Hong Kong um, and it's gone going very well loving it and I suppose you went in as part of the for those who don't know as part of your masters you can undertake an internship and I know the course was founded by Avalon SMBC and a couple of the leasing groups and it's very obviously very practical because they're the ones who are taking basically all the graduates you went into Avalon how long did you do in there and how did you get on in the internship? Yeah, so as you said, the master's is kind of firstly funded by a few of the companies and then secondly, as part of the as part of the agreement, they take on a number of interns every year. Um, so it's a great opportunity. You can kind of do an internship or else you can do um, kind of summer modules as well, but people would typically prefer to do the internship. Um, so then, yeah, I went into Avalon as a credit risk intern. Um, so that was kind of, it was a my first um, kind of dip the toe in, in aircraft leasing in Avalon and loved it. Um, and then I guess just in terms of personnel, there was that team was kind of over-resourced. So I was kind of shifted on um, and a kind of random, completely random project about entrepreneurship came up. It was nothing to do with um, kind of Avalon or aircraft leasing. Um, it was more kind of startups and startup ecosystems. And I guess the real question was why why isn't there more kind of unicorn startups, i.e. startups over billi- valued over a billion dollars in Ireland? Of um, which Avalon's one. 
Yeah, exactly. That was the kind of the the question came from. Um, I think this this stat had held through at the time, so a year and a half ago. I'm not too sure if it's still true, but Avalon or over the last I think ten or fifteen years, there would only be one Irish company listed on the New York Stock Exchange, and that was Avalon. So I guess that was that was the question behind kind of my CEO's um, behind his thoughts, kind of why is Avalon the only company to be listed over the last 10 or 15 years and then you undertook a bit of research on it which was the project i project yeah so it it was great it was just very much a kind of blank page no one knew exactly what format it was going to take or what route to go down so yeah it was kind of great um we were just kind of we started off we were like right who's the best at it and we quickly got to san fran um, and silicon valley and then we kind of identified a few other kind of best-in-class ecosystems for various reasons. So um, it was great. Got a lot of travel with it. I ended up going to kind of San Fran, Boston, um, London, Paris, Stockholm, Berlin. Um, and it just spoke to a lot of very interesting people with very diverse backgrounds, completely different backgrounds to to myself. Um, and I had kind of a few very interesting people work on it with me. One guy, Colin Kyo, um He's recently just finished a PhD in innovation methodology. So um, he was an extremely interesting fella. He had a long kind of background in startups and ecosystems and everything, which is something I didn't have. So it was kind of, it was great that way that he opened up a lot of doors and whatnot. Um, And yeah, we kind of just traveled around uh, speaking to a lot of people. And then we kind of, um, then I guess once we figured out why they're doing or why they're so good and they're doing so well, we kind of compared it to Ireland and kind of came up with, right, what's Ireland doing good? What's Ireland not doing so well? Um, and yeah, overall, so then it was, we kind of re- published a report um, and it got a lot of very interesting feedback, some good, some bad, but I guess it was great that um, it just kind of started the conversation. And actually, since then, there's been a lot of, um, there's been a lot of kind of very good uh, initiatives and whatnot set up. Um, so it's it was a big success. So I suppose going from having all the autonomy of flying around these different countries and cities and meeting people who are doing completely abstract things and making these new businesses, you come back to the harsh reality of what you're actually employed to do, which is work on the finance side of an aircraft leasing firm. So you go back and you become a portfolio analyst yeah, and a pricing um, analyst it was subsequently a couple of months after. So wh- harsh reality is a good word for it. It's a shock to the system. So what exactly would your role entail i suppose that's that project i work was was so out there and it's not really can happen to everyone who comes in to work in aircraft leasing but on the pricing side it's kind of that side of the business is is what a lot of new graduates go into what exactly would you day into yeah so pricing will be one of as you said one of the kind of one of the main areas that new graduates go into um and i guess the kind of core functionality of it is cash flow modeling so you're kind of mapping out all the cash flows of various leasing and trading deals and trying to just help our decision makers make the best decisions. And I guess probably a good example to use is if we have a plane and two different airlines want that plane, um, like our analysis will normally feed kind of which airline gets the plane. So sometimes it can be quite simple, like if the deal was structured the same um, and like then it might be just which rent is higher. But then sometimes it's very, you might have very different structures. And I guess our job is to kind of simplify it, the structure and kind of make it, uh, 
kind of make it easy to see which deal is better from a financial point of view. And there's always going to be qualitative factors going into that decision as well and non-financial um, impacts. But I guess we're we're in charge of the financial impact. So um, it's kind of getting into the real detail of cash flows. And um, sometimes you're looking out over 10, 15 years, you're making a lot of assumptions um, just to kind of figure out which which what's best for the business. And then I suppose then what size would a, of a team would you work on with that there's obviously going to be some senior guys who are going to pitch and sell the offering but how many people would build up one of these teams or would it be a completely like wide operation? So my team there's about um, 12 or 13 of us at the moment there's been a bit of a shake up over the last couple of months with um, a couple of people moving to other teams and then um, us getting a few new joiners so yeah it's kind of it's good the way there normally is shake up every couple of years so um it's good to kind of have new people coming into the business or into the team um kind of looking at things slightly differently um because I, I guess that's one of the things that um we actually have a new boss at the moment and that's one of the the beneficial things of it that over the last while things have been done kind of the same way um and having a new boss and having new people come in and just look at things completely different and sometimes sometimes we might have been looking at things the wrong way or we should have been looking at things slightly a slightly different way so um it's great at the moment that people are coming in shaking things up um and it's kind of keeping people on their toes so i suppose to to put it in very very simple terms in the aircraft leasing stuff there's two sides to a business the pricing side which is the finance side and then your sales side and is that something that you'd look to go into i suppose in later stage of the career would be transitioning from finance to sales yeah, so I, I guess there's kind of, as you said, there's there's two sides, kind of the finance side, which is essentially raising money, making sure we have enough money to pay for planes, and then the kind of asset side. So these are the kind of the originators dealing with the airlines, trying to get them to lease planes off us, and also the, our trading guys who are buying and selling assets. So um, I guess one side is, is raising the money, and then the other side is kind of spending the money and investing the money. So I know, um, which, I know which side I would want to be on. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I, I guess we would we would fall under kind of more of the asset side. Um, we'd work a lot with our kind of originators, dealing with the airlines, working on the leasing deals. Um, we also do do a bit with the with the finance side, um, but definitely more so on the on the asset side. Okay, perfect. And then, I suppose to look at another side of your development, working in Avalon, it's your time you spent in Hong Kong. Has your role changed that much as to what you were doing in Dublin? in Hong Kong or is it very much the same thing just in a different country? It's quite similar um, like officially it's the exact same I guess because I'm the only person from the pricing team out there you, you do end up doing some kind of your responsibilities tend to widen um, and you do end up doing some just kind of random stuff so um, I guess the main thing they, the main reason why they need someone over there is just time zones so like 5pm Hong Kong time is 9am is Dublin time so it's very frustrating for the originators and the trading guys out there that if they have a question from their pricing analyst, they need to wait till 5 p.m. to get that answered. And like that's assuming that the pricing guy doesn't have something else on at 9 a.m. So it could be 8, 9, 10 p.m. by the time they get an answer. So that's why there's always a demand for kind of pricing people. And we always do have pricing people out in Hong, Hong Kong simply for that reason, just to manage time zones, to make things kind of um, more fluid and I guess yeah that's one of, been one of the big kind of learnings from my time in 
both Avalon and Hong Kong. It's just the importance of kind of momentum and like, yeah, if the, that originator has a question and they have to wait till the following day to get an answer overnight, like it's 24 hours gone and 24 hours, it doesn't sound that much, but if that's happening constantly, it just kind of kills momentum and it's just very, very frustrating for everyone. So um, that's why they're always very keen to have kind of pricing people out in, in Hong Kong. And I suppose then on an industry-wide viewpoint, Hong Kong is obviously developing so rapidly in the aircraft game. A lot of Asia is Singapore, Malaysia, but at the root, with Ireland's tax structure the way it is, with the, I suppose, double tax agreements and the Cape Town Treaty, it's something that we hold a competitive advantage on. With the way the industry's going, I know COVID's impeded it completely, that we can't really get many planes in the mm-hmm. sky, but like, in your own opinion, working in it, do you see a long-term growth in the aviation finance stuff in Ireland continuing to grow? Where, you know, graduates can come out, they can do a finance master's, whether it be the aircraft leasing master's finance, and go into firms like this and have the opportunity to go and work in these places. Can you see the growth continuing? Yeah, definitely. Um, like, I guess one of the reasons why Ireland is, is so prominent is kind of, you mentioned a couple of almost technical uh, reasons, like tax and a few other things but I guess the main reason is that like a lot of the executives are Irish they mm. want to be in Ireland long term they want to raise their family here so um, and I, that's definitely not going to change um, kind of in the medium term or, or in the long term um, like and the reason for that is one of the, the probably first prominent aircraft leasing company was set up in, in Shannon um, in the kind of 1970s 1980s and if you look at it kind of um, like nearly every executive or a lot of the executives currently would have been um would have worked for gpa back in shannon back and in the was, 1970s that was tony ryan's gpa exactly exactly so they've just completely dispersed they've all went to set up their own aircraft leasing companies a lot of them have been extremely successful um and as i said there a lot of those are irish they want to be in ireland longer term um and that's why i don't i think the stats eight out of the top ten aircraft leasing companies are, are HQ'd in Ireland. So um, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And then I suppose just on a personal viewpoint, your own role and the career you've had in aviation finance to date is, is quite an abstract one. Could you envisage or what piece of like advice or knowledge would you give back to Tom Lynch three years ago as to what you could do better or what you could have put in place earlier to make the ride a little bit easier? Yeah, I'd say probably just not going into commerce. I'm not sure if I had a huge interest in commerce. I kind of probably did it, just had a few mates doing it. It was kind of the easy choice. Um, so I'd say just don't, or kind of just make sure you, you absolutely want to do something before doing it, as opposed to it being the easy choice or you have a couple of mates doing it, whatnot. Um, yeah, because I just, I find commerce just too big, not engaging. Um, kind of got lost in it um, and just didn't really enjoy it. So read into the course content and make <laughs> sure you really want to do it for four yeah. years. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good piece of advice, definitely. <laughs> uh, and then I suppose, Tom, our, normally our final question is a book recommendation. So I'm not too sure if you're a big reader, but if you could pass on a book for someone to read, what would it be? Um, the last book I read, it was um, a book called Guns, Traders and Money. Um, and it was just all about kind of the traders, 
back in the day, the kind of first set of traders who I'm sure we've all, or the kind of stereotypes from the movies and kind of just all about the culture in there, the good, the bad. Um, and it was just incredible. Like there was obviously a lot of bad in it, but it was incredible what they achieved, what they kind of set up from a complete greenfield um, and just the, the kind of innovation and, and the money they made. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, Tom, thanks for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to Tom, he's available on LinkedIn. He's more than happy to, to chat through uh, his role in any further uh, detail if you'd like it. But uh, Tom, thanks for me, mate. Thanks, Danny. Cheers.